So we are coming into tonight's show on something of a hot streak, my friend. You might say so. What up, what up? What up, what up? Um, we... It, what a night it's been. It's been a night. Yeah. Um, your intrepid co-host... Um, are fresh off a um, victory. I still feel the adrenaline now. Fresh Ooh. off a triumph, a conquest. Um, we, uh, just earlier tonight, as of recording this Nocturnal Emissions, uh, Crow and I uh, um, were, were uh, <laughs> um, part of a victorious trivia team. For a rather... Tough trivia challenge, if I might say. I mean, I, I haven't experienced that many, but that one seemed rather, uh, the question seemed rather obscure to me. I don't know. I'm, I, maybe I'm just tooting my own horn here, but it was. A, it was a, I think they ran the gamut of obvious to obscure. There was that one where it was like the closest relative to a. Gualo is is this? Yeah, and I and that? it was like the I don't know what that is. What was? Or I that's the it was some sort of made up word that started with a G. I think it turned out Garyall. to be something Garyall. like that. It turned out to be some kind of dinosaur. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was some kind of rodent, so I said I made our answer be hamster. It was wrong. No, I would have preferred it if if it was a hamster though. Some sort of small. <laughs> Um, low to the ground rodent. Yes, you like those. I love. Wow, I identify <laughs> with them. They've been. Uh, but we won a in. sweet cash prize. Yeah, that was a nice uh, cherry on top to the whole. Got some free money. Got Wasn't free expecting money. that. No, wasn't expecting so to win. And it Cha-ching. truly, it truly came down to the wire. It was a one point game. Yeah. And uh, we wanted on the tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. The question was, um, how many kilometers of shoreline does Canada have? Um, and I, my, so my main problem with this question was trying to conceptualize how many kilometers is a lot. Like I was thinking. <laughs> Like I was like, how many kilometers in my brain? I was trying to think how many kilometers is the U.S. shoreline, and then I was like, well, then I'll multiply that. Did you have that number off the top of your head? But see, then I was like, okay, but then I have no, I I don't. I was the, I was like, I know a kilometer, it's point six miles. Right. But then when I got down to it, I had no idea or even like a rough starting point of like a. Uh, a hunch on how to estimate how many miles of of shoreline there are in America. I, like I truly, I just realized that I had no idea how to think about the problem, and so we were just we just started throwing out numbers. Right, twenty thousand kilometers, thirty thousand. I was like, that's got that sounds like so much. I said a hundred thousand initially, and then I backed and off. And we, of you were shouted like, down. I was shouted. You down. You were shouted down from a hundred thousand kilometers. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I was, I was heckled as the, <laughs> thought, the village idiot, like a crazy old Maurice from Beauty and the Beast, <laughs> hounded out of the discussion. I thought that 
Surely that was I a hundred thousand cult. That's crazy. That's got to be too many. Bonkers. We settled ultimately on the much more palatable number of sixty nine thousand kilometers, <laughs> just to be safe. Um, our the table next to us was the tiger. I had no idea they were right behind us. They were so subdued in their area. Anytime mm-hmm. we got a question right, we really visibly celebrated they it. They were stoic. They were stoic, so yeah. I thought they must just be getting them all wrong. Right. But then at the end, they were tied with us. But they had guessed 43,000 kilometers. The answer was north of 200,000 kilometers. It was like 202 oh, some odd So many. Dollars. We only won by virtue of um, being, I guess, technically closer but we were all just way off yeah yeah what an insane i mean it's hard to fathom but i guess the north of canada the the yukon or whatever it is hudson bay i see the big the big ringer there is hudson bay because that's sort of the trick to the question is it's not it's not just coastline it's shoreline so like islands so there's all hudson bay is, is a massive freshwater inlet you know, in northern Canada. Gotcha. So and that counts. It's, it's like Fort Peck in here where Fort, the, the stat that is always thrown out in public school in Montana is that um, the Fort Peck Reservoir or whatever has more uh, miles of coastline than California because it's all zigzaggedy all throughout. Very zigzaggedy. So there's, you just, if you stretched it all out, it's true. This is not probably that interesting, but... But as the crow flies, whatever. As the crow flies, whatever we won. Trivia, as someone who is definitely something of a know-it-all, um, it's definitely been a bucket list to win some money playing bar trivia, and this mm-hmm. is the first time I've ever done that, so it's very exciting for me. Yeah, I think that was... Maybe the first time for me. Uh, it was exceptional. What wow. a great feeling. I'm glad we and got to, to share. And to win some actual that, cold hard some cash. Some cold hard cash. Some dead presidents, mm. as they say. Mm-mm-mm. Uh, a cool $25 each. We were on a four-person team. Yep. Uh, shout out to Matthew and Kenny, who yeah. are our teammates. Exquisite teammates. I mean, they were absolutely <laughs> cu- clutch in every Truly. realm. I, there, it's it was a it was a team effort in the sense that we won this thing by one point, and throughout the five rounds, at, I don't remember <coughs> it all, but there was definitely questions in each round that only one of the four of us knew the answer to. Right. Um. You know, so it's yeah, it was a team effort. Well, it was funny though, and I mean, we don't, we don't, I don't want to stay on this topic for too long because it's not that interesting. But yeah, one of the topics I've never seen this before was uh, on the nose villains, and what this trivia master had devised was. Was he a master? Are you comfortable saying that he was masterful? You know what? I am comfortable saying. He uh, he was great. He was felt very comfortable. I thought he was more like an apprentice than a master. He did Ooh. seem a little bit uncomfortable in his deliveries, but uh, so basically, uh, all you did was he put out pictures of villains' noses, and you had to identify the villain just by their nose. And there were ten of those, and all of us just immediately knew every single one of them. I mean, they were pretty much like dead giveaways. Steve but Montgomery Burns from The Simpsons. That was a fairly easy one yeah, Hook, to do. Cap- well, I didn't know that one because I've actually never seen the movie Hook. Oh, so good. Even though my name is Hooks, 
I've never seen the movie Hook. I think I've probably been like reticent to watch it because of that fact that I'll tell you something. Wait, I was about to tell you a story that would require me to reveal. You know what? I don't even care. A lot of personal information. My full name is John William Hooks. And oh, God, any you time... just looked me in the eyes as he said that. <laughs> dude, he, he, just, he just, like, he was trying to prove a point. I like, no I po- don't believe him already. I, I have no point to prove. But when I, I learned this for the first time when I was in, like, third grade, when I, like, Googled myself for the first time, if you just Google my name, the only thing that comes up, the composer John Williams did the score for the movie Hook. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's all that comes up. (laughs) She mixed up the S. The end of Williams. Yeah, it's Google's never... uh, Maybe I haven't Googled myself (laughs) in a hot minute. So maybe maybe the algorithm is a little smarter, but... um, Sure. And I think that really prejudiced me against that movie. Yeah. (laughs) From the get-go. You stayed so away. I've never seen it. You just I felt do. like you were living in the shadow of John Williams and his performance on Hook. I, I still feel that way. Oh. John Williams came up at Trivia. There was a question, who was nominated for the most ever Academy Awards? 59. And we guessed John Williams, and he was number two. It was Walt Disney was number one. Yeah. Uh... John Williams is number two. Still an incredible amount at 52. He had 52 nominations. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yep, absolutely. Pretty good. Uh, But speaking of Hook, where are we going with this tonight? What are we going to be talking about? You see that it was kind of a double entendre because it's Hook like as we're going into a pirate chat, but it was also a Hook into a new segment that we should head into instead of talking about trivia. Hey, what up, what up? Welcome to uh, Nocturnal Emissions on KBGA. to wait for that to come in the bagpipe incredible Pirates of the Caribbean song what up what up it's time for safe harbor the witching hour chicken soup for the dark night of the soul nocturnal emissions on KBGA I am hooks here with me we've got 
Uh, tonight, this is Crow, but uh, I'd rather be known as the lowest ebb. That's right. We have the artist, the co-host formerly known as Crow, presently known as Lowest Ebb. I'm going by Lowest Ebb tonight. What's, with the, what's behind the name change? Uh, well, I think you could probably describe that better than I could. You called me, uh, what did you say, Nadir? I said you were at a Nadir. <laughs> Your Lowest Ebb. Um, because you're a little under the weather today, but yeah, I'm not feeling so hot, so my voice sounds a little <laughs> weird. <laughs> oh goodness! Oh goodness! Oh goodness gracious! It's evidenced by that um, coughing fit there, but uh, don't worry, I'll wipe off all of the equipment. Oh God! <laughs> to for the record, uh, the ghost formerly known as Crow. Uh, did do a fairly good Dracula cough there. I think he said that more for effect. Yeah, than it, it, was, it was. Necessity. It, yes, it was absolutely. Uh, there is effect. also undeniably another presence in this studio tonight. Yeah, I, um, I don't know if we're in tune enough I'm to glad hear you felt it. it too. Um, but it feels like the ghost of Half Jack is here with us tonight. This is Quarter Jack. Oh man! He's oh, oh, it's a, just you're just a quarter now. Yes, <laughs> you've halved. Yes, he's he's been halved. <laughs> he's been halved. He's been halved. Halved uh, from so, half already. So, let's see. It's been what two weeks since uh, since old Half Jack was here, and yeah. Uh, so you're getting halved at that rate. So are you saying about in, in two has weeks a half from life. now? Yeah, two weeks from now, you're going to be zero of Jack. You're going to be nil Jack. <laughs> yeah, nil Jack. <laughs> You'll just occupy that presence over there near the microphone in a in a specter-like way. Yeah, just groaning. Yeah, that's all we can get out of the ghost of Half Jack right now. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll hear from that spectral presence. But this is but we may or may not. Yeah, this is nocturnal emissions. Um, it is chicken soup for the dark night of the soul, as we mentioned um, once a week. Uh, the co-host formerly known as Crow and I uh, gather here in the KBGA studio in the Branch Center, which is called that because? It is in a tree. And we provide uh, the conversational white noise for all the freaks and the weirdos and the normal people out and about from midnight to 2 a.m. on a weekday. <laughs> um, we don't know what you're doing. Not maybe doing your seances. Maybe you just got home from a loud rock concert and you're trying to calm down and get the ringing out of your ears and go to bed. Topical. Maybe you're uh, giddying up little doggies and you're on the long haul uh, transporting stolen uh, v- VHS DVD players uh, to fence them over in Canada and uh, you need to make a cold hard sprint for the border under the cover of night uh, put us on in the car maybe you're um, suspicious of your neighbor because you've seen him washing a bunch of long knives in the kitchen recently and taking out a lot more trash than, you know, a normal person would. And, -hmm. like, these bags look, like, really heavy. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're all the same knife. Yeah, and he's washing all of a bunch of the same kinds of knife. 
and there's always like the sounds of people screaming coming from his house. Um, and so you're doing a Shia LaBeouf Disturbia type situation where you've got like a telescope or something queued up uh, on the window and you're waiting for uh, some kind of more conclusive visual evidence to confirm or deny your suspicions about your neighbor and you're staying up all through the night. Um, Just biting Because the time. that is when nefarious activity, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it at night. Right. So you're thinking, yeah, if I'm going to catch this person, I'm going to catch them at night. And uh, you need to stay up and you need some uh, company and you don't have any friends. Uh, this is a show for you. Will uh, you don't want to whatever you're doing from uh, midnight to two a.m. You don't want to be alone with your thoughts. Um, you don't want to have to confront the reality of who you are as a person. Not at this time of night, if you don't have to. Who so does? let us replace your internal monologue with our uh, relatively uh, circuitous and roundabout and silly conversations mm-hmm. that uh, we were going to be having anyway. Yeah. Um, but we decided to, uh, uh, roughly structure them and, uh, present them to you Mm. to Uh, listen to here like this, whatever, whatever way you're doing that right now. Let us into your ears. Let us into your ears. Just let us in there. Let us make a nice home in your, uh, ear canal. Yes. And, uh, vibrate your eardrums. Ever so sweetly and tenderly and softly. But continuing from last week, we yes. are... So, yeah, we... Go ahead. Go well, ahead. Well, last week we spoke about Dead Man's Chest, which in hindsight uh, was, as we concluded, much more of a setup movie for the one <laughs> right, that we so watched. We, yeah, we talk about just different stuff each week. We've been going through... I'm getting upset about Dead Man's Chest. <laughs> You're getting Chest a little now. ahead of yourself. We've been going through... The Pirates of the Caribbean original trilogy, as I like to call it. No one else does. Last week, we got through number two, Dead Man's Chest. This week, we are getting into um, the third, the climactic episode in the original trilogy, at Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were just launching uh, the co-host formerly known as Crow, currently known as Lowest Ebb, launching into uh, your thoughts about uh, sort of the uh, last week on Nocturnal Emissions. Right. I... Listen. You know, I've got respect for that movie. There there are things that come up in that movie that are undoubtedly just the better parts of Pirates of the Caribbean canon, namely the Kraken, Davy Jones. We yada, love yada. the Kraken. We love Davy Jones. Yeah, we love anything squiddy about these movies. We love all things squiddy. There's a lot. Wait, no, never mind. All the crabs are in this movie. Yes. Yeah. There are no crabs in the. Yeah, you're getting ahead of yourself. There's now. one crab. There's that little crab that there bootstrap the, Billy eats. Yeah, do, there, do not forget yeah. about the little crab that bootstrap Billy eats in Dead Man's Chest. It is important. Brief cameo by the hermit crab that gets munched on by bootstrap Bill rather viciously. Um, R.I.P. And callously. 
They seem to do it without any 2020 remorse. will not quit. Kobe <laughs> Bryant, Neil Perk, Christopher Tolkien, that little hermit crab that bootstrap Bill A. Exactly. Legends, yes. all of them. Let's get all of them on a mural. Mm, um, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, but anyhow, <laughs> anyhow so uh, we, we love all things Squiddy. But anyhow, this movie was all, nothing but just a, a setup for At World's End, right. which is what we ended up watching uh for this episode which uh i loved a lot more man it is operatic you liked this one a lot more Oof, yeah i th- we'll get into this more but i i've been thinking oh what was that that was, was a uh, single bell chime from the university nice of montana uh, clock <coughs> bell tower quasimodo's up there what up quasimodo what up, what up, Quasimodo? He Hope listens, listening. He listens yeah. to Nocturnal Emissions. <laughs> yeah. That is canon. Quasimodo up there at the UM Clock Tower listening to Nocturnal Emissions. Yeah, he had to rehouse himself, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Didn't, didn't we shame, all? shame, man. But anyway, I, I was thinking, so this movie and Dead Man's Chest were written and shot essentially like back to back all at the same time, Lord of the Rings style. And I wonder, I've been thinking in the couple of days since we watched this this final one, uh, or not a, necessarily the final one, but this end of the trilogy. Um, I was curious, I was thinking that, and we'll get into this more specifically, but there probably were more interesting ways to spread out the narrative over these two movies. Mm. Like, I think the way that they divvied up the plot points between the two isn't necessarily the best or most interesting way to do it. And I think that the way that that they did it just made made the two and the... um, the duology sort of, the the sort of two-parted nature of these two not really it made them not feel as cohesive as i think they necessarily could have sure um but we'll get into that more specifically it it does seem we, like as we go on like the, it was like very slow burn throughout dead man's chest and then how world's end it's just boom 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 it's like fury road level styles or or the, that that style of just there's something yeah. happening every time. Yeah, and I and the main thing for me though was that I felt like so much of At World's End is spent sort of specifically explaining what was happening in Dead Man's Chest, hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. For just the main example is so much of this movie went towards the Davy Jones, the the um, ex- explaining the exposition of Davy Jones' origin story, <coughs> and I think most, if not all, of that should have come earlier in Dead Man's Chest, mm-hmm. um, because. That's when that character is introduced. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of, so to me, it sort of had the vibe in this third one that of, of like the current Star Wars or the end of Game of Thrones of just someone of a creative contingency behind this movie that didn't know what they were doing 
you know, throughout and kind of just made it, it you know, it, it, I think the way that they spread out all the plot of this made it kind of seem like everything was just made up at the last second. And if they had spread out some more of the exposition and the, the explicit plot stuff that we get across these two and dead man's chest wasn't so kind of opaque and you made dead man's chest like more of a, a an explicit Davy Jones origin story and you like learn about Calypso and stuff and then um let's let's come back to I'm about to like pop off on a yeah. final analysis yeah let's get into it um from the start and continuing with the theme that we've established with the first two these movies have uh, a very to me it's endearing at this point an extremely unironic fan community on the internet that just really truly thinks these are the greatest movies and most legendary characters and performances probably like people just it's very funny i think and kind of wholesome but uh, they always write up these funny little synopses on the fan wiki. So I've got this one for At World's End, if you guys are ready for uh, it. Please indulge okay. me. Okay. <clears throat> Just when he's needed most, Captain Jack Sparrow, that witty <laughs> and wily charmer of a pirate, is trapped on a sea of sand in Davy Jones' locker. And an increasingly shaky alliance, Will Turner, Elizabeth Swan, and Captain Barbosa begin a desperate quest to find and rescue him. <coughs> Captain Jack is the last of the nine pirate lords of the Brethren Court who must all come together, united in one last stand to preserve the freedom-loving pirate's way of life. From exotic Singapore to world's end and beyond. Oh From shipwreck island to a titanic battle. This adventure's filled over the edge action. <laughs> or is filled with over the edge action. A lot of these have typos. Filled with over the edge action, irreverent humor, seafaring myth, and magic. <laughs> yeah, baby. Wow. That witty and wily charmer of a pirate, baby. I, I love how you read it in your your target TV ad voice every time. It's, for me, that voice is how I imagine their whoever's writing that's it like internal yeah. monologue yeah. is going. Just <laughs> think it's the coolest thing. It's like the diary of Carmen from Spy Kids. Um, I am not familiar with that. Yeah, reference. yeah, that was a that was a deep cut there. Um, but anyhow, anyway, so, so we begin yes. this movie so, with okay. So yeah, we're at World's End. Are, do we want to just dive into the plot? As yeah, you do we need like a, you're ready? Should we take a break or anything? And leave it on a hook or something like that? Like you know what? We could take a little break. We could take a little break. We've been doing this for about a yeah, half hour. Yeah, my mouth's getting a little dry. Let's take a little break, yeah. folks. And then your favorite nocturnal boys will come back and uh, talk to you about the sweet... And uh, thrilling climax to the Pirates of the Caribbean original trilogy. All things magnificent it's and not, squiddy. It's not getting there. That's the problem. It's getting back. <laughs>
Hey, what up, what up? Hello. Welcome back to... <laughs> I'm trying to stretch. Perfect. Okay, you good? Yeah, we good. We okay, good. I was we turning good. down... Uh, the lowest ebbs. The lowest headphones. ebbs headphones. Here. Welcome back to Nocturnal Emissions. Um, I just checked during the break and online right now at kbga.org. There are eight... Nocturnal Emissaries. Ooh, hello, Listeners people. out there, hello, whomever you are. Nice to An untold you. number also listening on uh, the antiquated... Uh, Airwaves. Airwaves, FM technology, on uh, the live record, hearing the crackling with that live energy. <laughs> they, they are, you know, they get to hear the episode first before... The podcast crowd on Mondays. Long live transmitted music. Yes, yes. It's got, it just has that energy that you can't, it doesn't come across when you're listening to, listening to it on Spotify or whatever, you no, know? No, no, you want the, the crackle of. You the, want that crisp energy <laughs> of. radio. Of, uh, of live radio. So stick up, stay up late, and. Wednesday night, Thursday morning, and listen to a live baby, <laughs> twelve a.m. to two a.m. Mountain Standard Time. Hey, I got a hey, uh, I got a joke for you. Okay. All right. Hey, I've got a joke. Who wants to hear it? I do. All right. I mean, I don't, but I, right. you want to say it? So, so down there, I, I found this out earlier, uh, <laughs> right after I watched The Irishman. So down in Cuba, you can get a. Um, like a Boston cream pie for like a dollar fifty. <laughs> Specifically, a bo- a Cuban Boston cream pie. Yeah, <laughs> down in Jamaica, you can get a banana cream pie for like two dollars, and uh, like over in uh, the Bahamas, I, I'm told that you can get like a lemon meringue pie for like a dollar or something like that. <laughs> These are the pirates of the Caribbean. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's topical. Is that an original? No, it's not. Oh, no, I don't know who came up with that, but I I, I remember hearing that somewhere, and I I love it. And I I just remember. I that. have learned over many years that when you say I don't know who came up with that, but I think it's good that you probably came up with it. <laughs> I do forget about things that I've said. Sure, no, that's it, what it is. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am proud of that one. Then I'll take it. I'll take credit for that. But uh, anyhow, so we begin this movie. They you'll are, take re- you'll uh, take Reddit for that. Yeah, they are. You'll take Reddit. Um, is that what you said? Like karma? The East Imperial trading. Okay, yeah. So let's East get into India. it. <laughs> yeah, East Imperial. You gotta lead in a little bit. You just you just go right in. You just dive right in. You gotta you gotta segue a little bit. We've been teasing for too right. long. So yeah, we'll stop teasing. We are talking about. We are concluding. Our series on the first original trilogy of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Uh, we have arrived at World's End, the end of the trilogy. Um, and we're just going to kind of get into it. Uh, we watched it with our friend Half Jack, whose ghost 
uh, flew out of the studio over the break. Yeah. He's um, gone. Dissipated, I hope. Uh, the ghost of Half Jack finds a new vessel shortly. Yeah. And uh, recuperates and is back with us. Right, right. Before too long, I wish him a speedy recovery. I would love him to be full Jack at some point. I would love him, yeah. Um, but that and until we can get there, uh, pray f- to get him back uh, from quarter jack to half jack. Yeah, sure. And then we can take the you know the journey steps. from half jack Baby to quarter jack. Um, but he and you, Lois Ebb, formerly known as Crow, and I watched this a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. We wrote. We have some thoughts, yeah. and we're just gonna kind of get into it. In granular microscopic detail here. In exhaustive detail. Exhaustive. Um, yes, that's right. So Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. If you will remember from the last one, uh John I almost said Johnny Depp, Captain Jack Sparrow is dead, swallowed by Hello Beastie. Uh, the Kraken, <laughs> as he says, uh, "Hello, beastie." That's Jack Sparrow, right? Yeah, that is. What He's he says. like a mink. Um, <laughs> yeah, he gets swallowed by the Kraken after Elizabeth Swan tricks him by kissing him, and Will uh, Will Turner sees that. I almost said Will Smith. Let's not go back. This would be that. a better movie if Will Smith played Will Turner. Um, Davy Jones. Heart and chest along with it, or at least just the just heart. Just the heart. Just the heart is with Lord Beckett, mm-hmm. given to him by a uh, disgraced former Commodore James Norrington. Terrible guy. Commodore Norrington. Um, and where we last left our protagonists, um, Will was being weird. Um, about Will or about Elizabeth and Jack, and like white knighting that he would definitely want to save Jack if he could. And then, um, what is Tia Dolma? Is that right? Yeah, Tia Dolma. Tia Dolma, the witch doctress, is like, um, what what would you do? Would you sail to the ends of the earth? Yeah. She just goes right. She's hard. She's been waiting to hear. It. <laughs> she goes hard. <laughs> what did you just say? <laughs> I said she goes zero to a hundred. She's hard. <laughs> she she goes hard. She's just like right into it. That's what I meant to say. She's she's pedal to the metal. <laughs> she's all over it. Um, she wants to save Jack. It's like she was waiting for this opportunity to try to like convince them. It's like an MSNBC anchor itching to talk about Mike Bloomberg, you know? Sure. Very topical reference. Yeah, well done. Um, and then Barbosa Barbosa needs his cue. Barbosa needs his cue. As we talked about last week, Barbosa is waiting at the top of the stairs for the for the the um for Teodoma to say then you'll need a captain who knows those waters. I changed to Scottish like midway through yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that he can come down and do his dramatic introduction. He says, where's my ship? So we open. That's where we're at. We open at World's End with um, scenes of mass executions. Yes. Where they are, I mean, 
don't want to spend too much time on it, but I guess they're killing kids too. Right. So insane. yeah, there's this um, group gallows rigged up. I think it's, I think I counted and it's six nooses on this large platformed um, combo <laughs> gallows. Yeah. And then also there's this line, we're in Port Royale. I think every movie in this original trilogy opens at the fort in Port Royale, interestingly, hmm. in the Gore Verbinski trilogy, as <laughs> as it's also known. It's a good place to start. It grounds you. Right. It, you know, it's familiar. Um, but there's not, outside of the communal gallows, there's a long line. Um, it's like a Black Friday, just a line, just a, long, a very long line of very downtrodden, dirty, disheveled-looking people shuffling up <laughs> in groups of six to get hung. Um, it's very grim. Yeah, it's like something out of Monty Python, but there's no like there's irony. no humor to yeah, it. Yeah, there's no humor. A first group of of people gets hung, and then a second one goes up, and there's like a little boy yeah. in the middle, maybe ten. Um, and he, yeah, I don't know how old he is, but he um, doesn't reach up to noose height. He's just kind of looking up at the thing, and he starts singing "Hoist the Colors." Um, which is a pirate shanty. No kidding. An yeah. actual thing outside of I don't know town. how actual it is. Okay. It might be. But, um, you know, like all together, hoist the colors. There's sure. a line about never shall we die. Hoist the it's colors. A it's like a pirate rallying cry song. Eventually all the people at the gallows and all the people in the line start singing it together. There's this weird thing where this... Um, British, all the Brit British soldiers are the ones executing everybody. They run to this tent. Lord Beckett, who we remember from the last one, is there. Um, the guy says, Lord Beckett, they're uh, singing. And in a classic, weird Lord Beckett line, he's just like, finally. Yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> I, I have no, no that nothing. That line makes no Lord sense. Lord Beckett is the king of saying things that sound like they are loaded with meaning, but then never get extrapolated upon anywhere else in the rest of the movie. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense. They continue to sing. The um, executioner gets a barrel and lifts the little boy up on the barrel so that he can still be hung. And then he is hung, and that's like the cold open. Yeah. <laughs> it's him dropping a coin out of his cold That's hand. where we Where it is a fair escalation because... In the first movie, the cold open is just a ship that's been blown up by pirates. Yeah. In the second one, it's a falling action where it's just Will Turner getting arrested. Nobody cares about that, but it's a torrential downpour. And then this, but also there's the opening scene with the guy getting pecked to death by crows and then throwing a bunch of coffins oh, yeah. in the water. Right. But then this one further escalates it by just mass executing pirates. So what we learn here, and I I really wished that we had a Star Wars like text crawl up at the start of this because it would have made a lot more sense. Um, but what we open to essentially is an indeterminate amount of time has passed since Dead Man's Chest. In that time, Lord Beckett has used Davy Jones' heart to 
blackmail David Jones and the Flying Dutchman into his servitude, which he has sort of rallied um, the British Navy towards um, ex- exterminate, like an ethnic, I wrote pirate genocide down yeah. in my notes. <laughs> Essentially, um, in the world of Pirates of the Caribbean, there are just, uh, there's an epidemic of, uh, or perceived to be an epidemic of pirates out on the water and also the massive British Empire seems to have no other bigger priorities <laughs> than, than um, by pure um, full-scale genocide getting rid of all the pirates so yeah Beckett has gone full-on like pirate fascist doing a pirate genocide um is is kind of with Davy Jones as his sort of mythical henchman, um, that with the Flying Dutchman and the three cannons and stuff that can just kind of hose right any of the pirates on the seas. Um, we cut to uh, Singapore. Uh, Elizabeth Swan is rowing a little boat, continuing the uh, the rest of the verses of the same pirates shanty from the executions. Right. Um, we also see that the Black Pearl crew is there with some uh, scubas made of, like, willow or some sort of reed, like bamboo shoots or something, essentially. And coconut helmets yeah, or something. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wearing shells on their I heads. don't know. Navy sealing in, though. Um, <laughs> yeah. We're not sure what they're doing. It comes to it that they're... She's with Barbosa and the crew from the Pearl, and they're going to see this um, Singaporeese, Singaporee, Singaporean, Singaporean. I don't know. Singaporeese sounds maybe right. But uh, pirate captain Sao Fang. They run into some of Sao Fang's guys. They are creepy uh, to Elizabeth, which is a running theme. Then Barbosa shows up. He's like, we're going to see your boss or your captain or something like that. Um, We also learned that the creepy um, uh, ward to Lord Beckett, who does all his dirty work. I don't know what his name is. Yeah. But he's he's in Singapore with a squadron of of, uh, British people. And they're also he's looking for the pirates there. He no, sort of looks like a distorted Kevin Spacey. Yeah, like a uh, taller, uh, rail thin, <laughs> um, uh, seen a lot more uh, mass graves than Kevin. Well. <laughs> Truly, I don't even want to speculate how many mass graves Kevin Spacey has seen. <laughs> but anyway, uh, he's there. There's no explanation about how he has tracked them there or anything. But they're going to see Sao Fang. Eventually, we get into Sao Fang. He lives in this, like, sauna he loves steam. He loves steam. He's he lives so in this into steam. steampunk Asian bathhouse. With a bunch of freak show, it's like a freak show in there where they there's this long shot where they're um, just kind of steady camming through uh, Sao Fang's sauna bathhouse, and there's these different 
hot tubs, essentially, and just different sort of physical archetype freaks in each one. Like, there's a massive fat guy in one. There's someone with a bunch of shells. There's someone with super long fingernails and another one or something. It's essentially like Ripley's Believe It or Not in there. (laughs) And Sao Fang also has really creepy long fingernails. A lot of people do in these. And I don't care for it. And he's got a crazy scar on the side of his head that looks like an (laughs) The ghost of Half-Jack just uh, communed with me and asked me to shout out his Uber driver, Daniel. Oh, <laughs> what's up, sick Daniel? Ride up. Shout out, Daniel. Hey, shout Maybe out he's a Daniel. nocturnal emissary. Who knows? Listening right now. Who knows? Um, but at any rate, so he's got a, this crazy anyway, scar on the yeah, side of his face. Yeah, Fang's all scarred up. Into steam. He's being all weird from the get-go. Yeah. Um, we learn that uh, he has this map. What do they call them? navigation the navigational charts yeah something like so that. many of these movies is is just people cho- chasing down items like in a rpg <laughs> yeah. like a quest it is a video game yeah they're trying to get these navigational charts we find out they sent will ahead to try to steal them and then they were going to try to glad hand south thing and get a ship a ship and a crew. A ship and a crew. A ship and a crew. Uh, south thing has already caught will little do they know um. So they're gonna have to try to fight their way out of it. There's a great shot of them uh, throwing swords up through the floor, and uh, like, uh, this is what they also before this. There's the first mention of the nine pieces of eight, which is it fun. It's the exact same thing I talked about, which is the kind of thing I love in these movies. Which is like uh, it's an island that can only be found by people who don't know where it is, <laughs> or it's nine pieces of eight, or yeah, yeah, uh, what yeah. have Et, et cetera. you? Yeah, wordplay, you know, like that. Yeah, abounds for sure. You have to be lost to find somewhere that can't be found. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. that kind of stuff. Nine pieces of eight, but then, um. Sao Fang does the classic thing. Do you know this guy? They're like, no, we don't know Will. So he's like, okay, I'll cut off his face then. And Elizabeth is like, oh, no, Will. Gives it away. Yep. And then uh, there's a great scene. All of Sao Fang's guys are um, pulled, pull their weapons on Barbosa and Elizabeth Swan, right as the uh, Barbosa's like, no, we're here. Strictly in peace, you know, we come in peace, and then the Black Pearl crew is right below them and throws up oh, yeah. those swords. It's a great shot. They throw up these swords. Barbosa catches like two, one in each hand. Elizabeth gets one or something, and uh, it's just it's just good timing, right? As he's like, we come in peace. They throw up these these swords, go up through the yeah. floors, and he's like, oh, sorry. Um, but then Sao Feng grabs this guy right next to him, and he's like, I'll kill your guy. And they say, well, he's not our guy. And Will says, he's not my guy. Like, well, whose guy is it? Uh, the Brits. Her Majesty's Royal Navy mm-hmm. had an inside cuck. The cucks, cuck the cucks in, in the Royal Navy burst through. A mass melee ensues. It's one of the first of many instances in this movie where people who were seconds ago 
threatening to kill each other uh, immediately just decide that they're all on the same team now. Yep. Safang is like, you can have a ship and stuff. Let's just get out of here. It's the cool. Um, Barbos also, he mentions the nine pieces of eight because he's talking about how like a sound has been sung and the nine pirate lords have to meet to talk about stopping Beckett's uh, sea fascism. <laughs> And um, they need to get a ship and a crew to get Jack Sparrow back because he's in Davy Jones' locker and he is one of the nine pirate lords. Right. Um, which, yeah, the idea of the pirate council gets brought up. Which yeah, is which is an exciting idea <laughs> yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, they uh, tear through Singapore in this attempted escape. Tia Dolma is there and has a bomb. Uh, that my there's all this stuff. Uh, the creepy English guy has a shot on Will and Sao Fang, and he's gonna take it. But then he overhears how Will just wants to make a deal with Sao Fang and will give him Jack and stuff. And is he, he essentially he learns that Will is bad. And only interested in preserving himself right. and um, his bride, and kind of you 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 find out comes to the conclusion that this is a man who can be uh, bought and uh, can be bought and, and understanding can be and he should be kept alive because he's more useful that way. They eventually get out. My favorite thing that happens <laughs> in the escape from Singapore is uh, Barbosa's monkey Jack and Cotton's parrot team up to use to light fireworks and launch a firework into a building full of fireworks like essentially the monkey and the parrot launch an rpg and explode a building right in this and help them get away i mean like yeah props to the animal actors but i also wanted to make a point that this that this village that they're in seems to be entirely singapore centered on the business of fireworks if you notice that it seems like so many fireworks around this village <laughs> they're at a fireworks is, market yeah that is they dom <laughs> they have a monopoly on the fireworks yeah. business yeah they love them over there according to this movie i don't know if that's true but yeah great animal acting the animals save the day blow up yeah. a building they get away with a one of south fang's ships and a lot a, a crew largely provided by south fang some of the black blue Ugh, Black Pearl guys. Yes. Can't even speak. You know, and all the heroes. And Barbo under Barbosa's command, they're sailing for uh at the the end of the world, we kind of find out, but they set off generally with what we find out as Barbosa's intention to get lost. Right. Cause you can't find what you're looking for unless you're <laughs> At the end of the world, unless you're lost. Yeah. That's so, when he, just... so they start with cuts. It is hard cuts, and they're sailing in ascent, like Antarctica, essentially, just this frozen ice sea. Everybody um, on the, uh, I don't know the name of the ship that Savafan gives them, but everybody on the ship, you know, the people who are alive have. Their hair is frozen. Their eyebrows have frost in them. They're shivering. They're very cold. 
one guy just like snaps off his big toe because his foot is frozen and he doesn't like it. One guy freezes to death in place, just sitting. Yeah, one guy dies. is just frozen where he sits. They're all having a really rough time. Uh, and uh, they're kind of like, what do we... How do you know? How do we? How do we do this? What? What's even the point? Where are we even going? How yeah. are we even going to save Jack? How can you do it? And this is where I didn't write down many detailed notes, but this is where Gibbs starts talking about the green flash. I hate a green flash. Some go their whole lives without seeing it. Some say they see it, only they haven't actually seen it. They're just saying they've seen it. Look in his eyes. But uh, one of the two, Mackenzie Crook and the other guy, the jokester guys, one of them kind of interrupts. It's when a sa- it's the soul of a sailor passing through to the afterlife. One of the guys interrupts Gibbs right as he's... Finishing his story, and I just—it's funny yeah. the look that he stares daggers at this guy. Like, don't screw with Gibbs when he's telling a story, man. Don't step on his toes there. Yeah, this is the one thing. If there's anything that Gibbs lives for, it's the spirit of piracy. Yeah, don't take his and the ability to like his his uh, encyclopedic sort of superstition and folklore knowledge. He knows he, it all. He, he the only. Um, joy and dopamine that his brain gets is when he gets to be like, oh, the green flash. Oh, the green flash. Let me flash. tell you about it. Bad luck it, to be singing about pirates. Yeah, so you don't interrupt Gibbs. You don't steal Gibbs thunder. Nobody likes, everybody likes Gibbs. Don't steal Gibbs thunder. Uh, we cut back to the um, <laughs> Flying Dutchman, and Davy Jones is at his... Uh, Oregon, but he's playing a noticeably sadder song. It's essentially just a few like minor chords on the organ. Mm-hmm. And I just wrote down the note I wrote down for that was uh oh, let me find it. Davy Jones Sad Boy Lo-Fi EP. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's looking at this heart locket that he has and he's really sad. Yeah. He doesn't have his heart anymore. Lord Beckett has it. And yeah. He's gone from Smith. I really want to hear the uh the EP that Davy Jones recorded in his bedroom um, on Ableton after Calypso, you know, ghosted him. <laughs> <laughs> what is Davy Jones's SoundCloud? Yeah, Davy Jones's for Emma forever ago <laughs> on the organ. I need, I need to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I truly need to hear it. So Hans Zimmer, Bill Nighy, get together. And make it happen. The Davy Jones Lo-Fi Sad Boy EP. As squiddy as you can. As squiddy as you can get it. It is necessary. That's all I wrote down from that. I don't know what else happens on the Dutchman. Yeah. Oh, well, Beckett is there. Right. And this is where I wrote down something that I think you're going to be funny. He's sort of um, playing his games and his machinations um, with Davy Jones and sort of just... Asserting dominance by, like, coldly and pointedly adhering to his dainty English elitist (laughs) decorum no matter what. Yeah. And I wrote down during this scene, um, and a reason I didn't like what you were saying to me earlier... Uh, Lord Beckett has major Mayor Pete Buttigieg vibes. (laughs) 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 Because he's little... And he's a psychopath, and you shouldn't <laughs> trust him, and he's bad, and he's a little rat. 
Oh my God! We're getting scathingly political. But now. in all in all the wrong ways, I think Lord Beckett has extreme Mayor Pete vibes. Sure, yeah, I I could see it now. Also, what we'll just that? take the time. We'll get it out of the way. Nocturnal emissions endorses Bernie Sanders. Yeah, I I would agree there. Um, uh, but yeah, Beckett sucks. But then we cut my one of my favorite shots in the whole thing. It's that shot where they're on back on Staffing ships and they're they're sailing through just that starry insanely starry sky reflected in there's that great shot where it's like a pirate ship sailing through space essentially yeah because the stars are reflected on the water it's just placid oh yeah oh half jack was telling us that he's experienced a night like that yeah himself like canoeing on placid waters underneath the starry sky yeah in the tropics yeah the dream right yeah, absolutely um so they're they're out of the antarctica they're sailing through space they arrive at um this point where barbosa is like i for certain we're lost now oh yeah and they're like what you're lost you haven't known where you're going this whole time and we're, it's like he took this is what he kind of said from the get-go is you get lost that's and then the you plan. find that's all that's what he's like i don't know where i'm going you have to get lost um we discover that the world's end, as many people used to think around this time, is just a, a giant falling off of a, you know, like a giant worldwide waterfall cliff edge. Um, there will, because he's an idiot, it's like, oh, we got to turn it around, don't, you know, sail away from this thing. Um, which prompts Barbosa to, to just yell, no, yeah, just get let her run straight <laughs> yeah. and true. <laughs> and he just, he's loving it. He's screaming, he's cackling That's and he screaming. And uh, yeah, he just is cackling with so <laughs> much glee as the ship just goes full off this waterfall yeah and they all just go flying off of it and he's at the wheel just having an absolute blast yeah just cackling he up a storm uh, uh cut to uh cut to yeah davy jones locker baby yeah the the just the sentence i wrote down for this i just looked back and i was laughing at it because i just wrote Surreal psychedelic nightmare with goat, comma peanut. <laughs> because I mean that is what is it there is. a goat? Oh yeah, there's a goat on the on, yeah. So Jack, we're in Davy Jones' locker. This is the first time we see Jack Sparrow in this movie, um, and he's in Davy Jones' locker, going crazy on the Black Pearl. Nuts. He has all these hallucinations that carry on through when he's outside of Davy Jones' locker, and I would be interested to find out if they carry on through the fourth and fifth movies but anyway um he has these insane hallucinations of a whole crew of jack sparrows um operating the black pearl yeah it reminded me and this is a, a very niche reference uh there's an image image Jesus, I can't even speak. An image comics series called The Manhattan Projects. Mm. The overall premise of it, it's by Jonathan Hickman. It's very good. The overall premise of it is um, if, like, you got uh, Robert Oppenheimer and Albert Einstein and Enrico Fermi and all these people together, but, like, um, Fermi is an alien 
and Einstein is like from another dimension and is trying to kill a bunch of people. He has this like secret <laughs> insane vendetta and Oppenheimer is actually um, Joshua. He's Robert Oppenheimer. He's Joshua Oppenheimer's like psychotic evil twin. And there, but there's this whole plot or this, so there's this whole device in these where, and I won't, we won't get into how it happens, but wherein a lot of the events of this take place within Oppenheimer's brain. And there's um, two factions competing in his brain, like the red good one and the, or the red bad one and the blue good one. And they, but there's just a, all of this is just because it's, it's, it's just like set in his, the world of his mind and the sort of competing factions create these mental avatars of himself doing these different things. Yeah. And they have a good term for it when it reaches its peak of like the infinite Oppenheimer. And I just wrote down for this one during this scene, the infinite Jack Sparrow. <laughs> the infinite Sparrow. <laughs> the infinite Jack Sparrow. Because he, there's he's Everywhere. in this void plane of existence on Davy Jones' locker. It's just this... They shot it in the Bonneville salt, salt flats in Utah, if you know where that is. Yeah. It's just flat, um, salty plane of existence. Um, he's going crazy. There's all the jacks on there. He doesn't like it. Um, he wants to eat a peanut. <laughs> he's really hungry for peanuts. Um, none of the other jack sparrows are good at working, which makes sense. It's that classic thing of you need one Jack Sparrow. If there's even two people like Jack Sparrow in a situation, it's terrible and they hate each other. Right. You know, they can't work together. You, you know, you, you can only have one person like that. In a group. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like different strings of a harp. You can't just have <laughs> one. It doesn't sound It is good, like different know? strings of a harp. The whole harp. Um, at this point, uh, um, we see, I think we see in and around here, um, there's this rock, yeah, and Jack picks it up and licks it and then throws it immediately. He's curious about it and he licks it and then he's immediately suspicious of it and throws it away from him. Um, the rock settles and it turns into a crab, yeah, which, yeah, it turns into a crab, which I remember you said <laughs> just. At some point, you wanted the superpower of being able to lick a rock and turn into a crab, which I thought was the most insane thing. I didn't ever say. Said I didn't say that verbally. I I didn't say that I wanted that. It's we had been having this prolonged conversation um, over the last weeks or so with our good friend Half Jack about very obscure kind of like powers you could get from a genie. Right. You know? Right. And I can't I can't think of too many specific examples that we had talked about, but one that Half Jack was talking about was like if you can um you can see through sweaters, but that's it. Yeah, just sweaters. Um I was yeah, so just very we're very sort of specific kind of superpowers like that. And I was just watching that, and I was thinking, you know, that fits in that category. Would be an interesting one. I want I a genie out of the bottle. I want to lick a rock and have it turn into a crab. Any crab. Any rock and any crab. And then, but then we extrapolated that to like the question of that. Then the way that the monkey's paw 
situation there is then if you the bigger rock you lick you know does that you know that turns into i think we decided a progressively larger crab so you know theoretically you could lick the side of a mountain and it would turn into a mountain-sized crab which begs the question do you have control over this mountain-sized crab can you you know, use this mountain-sized crab as a force for good in the world, or is it simply a mindless... As as far as I know, crabs are mindless, but this, you know, as mindful as a crab can be, you know, wild animal size of a mountain crab. If that's the case, if I have no control over the crab that I create from licking the rock, Mm -hmm. then I'm not sure I want to do it. If I can through the, you know, exponential growth of these powers, turn a mountain into a mountain-sized crab that then I sort of have dominion over and And control over and can order it around and it, it, you know, it listens to me and it obeys me. Yeah. Different story. Different story. Right. I think I would want to have a mountain-sized crab at my disposal. That could roll over. Yeah. That could be good. But if it's going to do whatever it wants, I don't know about that. No, absolutely. Um, but then all the, uh, this one crab looks around, and then all of a sudden there's just scores of other rocks behind it that turn into, that turn into a score of other crabs. Please, please. Crab, scare, crab, crab. That's right. Crab, 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 crab. There's lots of crabs. So this one crab. Pinces. Pinces. It clicks its claws. It pinces, and uh, it turns all the other crab. All the other crabs start to follow it. I wrote down like crab I robot. Yeah. Or crab Moses or Jesus or Messiah. And I robot. The plot is that Sonny, the you know uniquely human uh, robot, eventually becomes like robot Jesus. And there's this. He, he <laughs> has this recurrent dream, and that he draws. And it's a big thing in the movie of him standing in front of this great um, crowd of robots. I think eventually in the movie, he just leads all the robots into storage containers so they can't be used anymore. But um, this Sonny the Crab, the leader of the crabs, uh, doesn't do that. He clicks and clacks and pinces at them, and I guess that's how crabs communicate. Yeah. He's he's giving them orders in crabs. That's canon. That's canon. Um, And they all then go and scuttle over to the Black Pearl. And uh, these thousands of crabs all pick up the Black Pearl and start moving it. Start throwing themselves in front of each other and rolling it like a tank. Yeah, like a conveyor belt of crabs. Yeah. Uh, a ship-sized <laughs> conveyor crushed. belt of crabs. Yeah. The, yeah, it's it's truly amazing to see the teamwork that these crabs are capable of. Um, <laughs> and... Then we cut to, we see that the crew from the Black Pearl, or not, the crew, Barbosa and Tur- Will Turner, Elizabeth Swan, and uh, all those all those people are finally washing up ashore in Davy Jones' locker, and uh, they're just coughing out 
water and stuff. And I, I can't remember what they're talking about, but we see that um, Will is saying something about, like, there's nobody here. How are we ever going to find Jack? And uh, Tia Dolma says something about, like, we're not going to have to find him. And she starts, like, lifting up her dress, and we start to see these, like, crabs running back. Yeah. And they then we start that we see the black pearl like breaching over a sand dune and all these crabs moving it and it's like sailing down these sand dunes with Jack on it and it's really cool. But all of these crabs run back to Teodoma and they run up her dress. Yeah, well, like where are they going? What? It's so it's very intense. Mm. All of these all of these crabs, these thousands of crabs, I guess were sent by her and returned to her, but they all run up her it seems right. like very intentionally double entendre yeah, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. A little tongue <laughs> It's in impossible cheek. for it not to be. Yeah. Um, but then they all have to, like, t- try to talk Jack. Um, Out of thinking that he's having some hellish nightmare and he's imagining it all and everything. But, yeah, well, they have an easier time talking him out of that. It's great. They see him. He jumps down and Gibbs says, Jack! Slap me twice and hand me to me, mama. It's Jack. Essentially, like he can't even believe it. Slap me twice and or thrice. Slap me thrice and and hand me to me, mama. You can't oh believe it. God. I love Gibbs. Um, yeah, they have to try to convince Jack to uh, take them with him. I guess. Right. I can't remember how they do it. Yeah, I can't remember how they do it either. Um, is, is something coming after them? No. No, I can't remember. But oh, it's something about they have the navigational charts or something. Oh, right, yeah. They are the they have the only way to get him right out. So yeah, Um, because he's pissed at Elizabeth because she killed him, but he doesn't seem that pissed at her in the moment. No, Um, he's pissed at Will. Yeah. I don't know why. He's pissed at Gibbs. Just because he's annoying. Um, he's really be surprised to see Barbosa. Yeah. Barbosa's like, you shot me, Jack. You shot me. This was the last time we saw each other. You shot me, Jack. Yeah. Uh, but eventually, whatever. Regardless, they all get back on. It cuts to, um, they're all in the Black Pearl, and uh, Jack and Barbosa are trying to captain it at the same time. Right. So we see them screaming orders at each other. People are getting confused. You yeah, can't have two heads telescope. of state. Uh, Barbosa has the bigger telescope at first. Yeah, Barbosa. But then Jack comes up and he he comes back it. later and has a jerry rigged yeah. bigger one. But this, there's they're screaming over each other. It's not working. And this is where they get the great scene where Barbosa pulls Jack aside and just says, "What." are you doing what are you doing no what are you doing what are you doing no what are you what doing what are you doing what are you doing and it just goes on uh, and it's so it's classic just, quintessential pirates bar, of the caribbean oh, barbosa just screaming no what are you doing love that guy oh. they're trying to get it sorted who's going to be the captain of this thing they they never really can agree on it they never really do um, the next thing I wrote down that we see, I don't know if you have anything, but the next thing I wrote down that we see is uh, R.I.P. Weatherby. Oh, yeah. We, we're sailing out, and we start to see all these little boats, single-person boats with a candle in them. 
And I guess it's all the people who died at sea. Um, right. Rowing out. Yeah. We had seen earlier in this scene where the Flying Dutchman like obliterated some ship that uh, Lord Beckett was telling the creepy guy to take Weatherby out and drown him in the ocean or something. Yeah. I don't know. But they're, so yeah, they're all sailing back from the land of the dead and they see him sailing the other way. Elizabeth doesn't know that he's dead, but he seems very at peace with his death. Yeah. I think he wanted to die. Yeah. I think he, 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 true, I don't care for Weatherby Swan, but I did feel bad for him. Um, sort of in this moment, but I think that uh, he kind of got to a point where he was like, I did. I truly reached as high as I possibly could, you know, like being temporarily governor of Port Royal for like eight years was probably the most he that doofus was ever going to <laughs> yeah. accomplish, even in that high, even if coming from in a privileged position in a highly nepotist, nepotistic, I don't know, uh, world flush with nepotism, uh, yeah. Nepotistic that, like, regime. Yeah, he knew that he that was the best that he was ever going to do, and that Elizabeth was off being queen of the pirates essentially, and she was going to be fine. So he's very at peace with it. Elizabeth is not, um, but he just sails on by. And you know, you got to give a shout out, R.I.P. Weatherby. That's the last we see of him. Yeah, We've man, spent a lot reason. of time talking about Weatherby Swan. Yeah, it's a shame to see him go. It's a shame he's not in this movie very much. Yeah, that chapter is closed. Um. It is kind of a heartbreaking scene when Elizabeth is like, oh, you know, I want to jump off this boat and go and see him. Yeah. And he's like, oh, no, I am I think I'm dead. But he's good. He's like, I'll say hi to your mother. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I'll say what up. He's good. Weatherby's good. Yeah, he's good. He, um, I think he was just too ignorant. Yeah. It's back in the day and they're caught in doldrums. In the doldrums. 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 Caught between wind and water. Yes, and uh, they're they're all about to die of thirst and stuff, and they are like, we just, what do we do? We don't know what to do. The sun's about to set. Jack has too many jacks appear on his shoulders. Oh yeah, God, I forgot that about are essentially that. running him through, kind of like the pros and cons, the moral choice of getting out of here. And killing Davy Jones so that he becomes the new Davy Jones and right. can live forever because now that he's died once, he never wants to do it again. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, um, isn't this... Wait, where are we at now? Did you say... Have, like, have They're we... at the doldrums. They haven't flipped the boat yet. They're just Got about you. to flip the boat. Right, okay, yeah. They've discovered at this point that there is a new portion to the map that when flipped or around... Jack, I think Jack sees that. Jack sees but that. But not before Barbosa, the guy with the wooden eye is running around trying to grab the wooden eye because the monkey has it. <laughs> the monkey is running away with it and like stealing it and stuff. Barbosa gets it picks it up, sticks it in his mouth, you like wets it a little bit and then puts it back in the guy's eye hole. Jesus Christ, Barbosa. It's so weird. I just wrote down Barbosa likes eye play. He's into <laughs> he eye. likes eyeball play. <laughs> Cuz it's weird. Socket. It's weird. Give me that socket. I bet just free rush improv to that. Yeah. Um but then yeah, Jack has this brilliant idea to 
Um, they all have to run from one side to the other to get the boat rocking, and then they they like losing all the cannons and stuff. So they they're trying to get the boat to rock so much that it will actually this this whole big sized boat will flip itself completely over upside down. Um, the two goofballs tie themselves upside down to yeah. the mast for this so that they'll be right side up when the ship. Is right side up, I guess. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I this it's dubious, but you know it's we're essentially in high fantasy video yeah. game territory at this point, so it doesn't matter. They succeed in doing it. They flip over right as the sun sets, and they see the green flash, and they rock it up um, into back into the real world, into reality. The doofuses are upside down. The doofuses are upside tied down up. again, tied up to the mast. Um, immediately Jack and Barbosa and Will and Elizabeth Swan all pull pistols on each other because they were all on the same team too, because they needed to all get out of there. But now that they're out of here, everybody's different agenda comes to the fore. Yeah. My favorite things that happens is this. Everybody starts pulling a gun on each other. The monkey pulls a gun on the parrot. Yeah. <laughs> Again, great animal uh, Great. They had been, They had teamed up to blow up that building recently, yep. but here they are. Um, we got to start picking this up. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, dude. Um, so they... There, I wrote down, I can't remember what has happened, but there's some conversation that Barbosa and Jack have that I characterized as like Barbosa essentially being like, we're getting old, Jack. Oh, Barbosa talks, he talks Jack into coming along with them. It's the theme of the rest of the movie is like Beckett and his pirate fascism and his pirate genocide has is like really um, cramping the style and like slowly stomping out the way of life of these pirates, which was never rom- it was sort of romanticized, I guess throughout this because they all pick the size of pirates. But now all of a sudden they've spun it into this yarn of it's this truly iconic example of like a free independent lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. Like it's just a, a free road, like good guy. It's just like, <laughs> like all these guys are re- sovereign citizens, essentially yeah, like yeah. big libertarian energy and you know, the government, the big government is going to come shut them down. There's all this talk about you know, the world's getting smaller. Or the unexplored areas are getting filled in on the map. Right. And I wrote down that it's essentially like Barbosa being like, we're getting old, Jack. Right. Because it's also Jeffrey Rush and Johnny Depp who are getting old. Yeah. We're getting old, Jack. They really feel it. I can't it? sleep all the night through without getting up to pee anymore, Jack. <laughs> they weren't acting anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that was a camera conversation had off camera that the yeah. camera just happened yeah, to be rolling. Just happened to pick up. <laughs> yeah. like, I've got gray knuckle hairs, Jack. <laughs> my hips are aching, boy. I can't touch my toes anymore, Jack. We're getting old. We can't do it anymore. Uh, anyways, from this conversation, I can only eat prunes and Greek yogurt, Jack. And cornflakes. I have to eat Activia or to stay regular, Jack. I need to keep my bifidus regularis regular. I have type 2 diabetes now, Jack. I've done things I shouldn't have, I've done Jack. things I shouldn't do, Jack. But, yeah, so they're old. They're getting old. He's moving on past them. Will really sucks. He betrays them at this point. Um... 
what happens here? <laughs> I wrote down like Sao Fang does a heel turn. Liz, <laughs> I wrote down that Elizabeth Swan is CIA material. <laughs> Was is this when? So the, oh, there's this thing where like they get out of Davy Jones' locker and pretty quickly they get surrounded by like Beckett and the Flying Dutchman and stuff. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think they have the Flying Dutchman is towing the Black Pearl and all the crew of the Black Pearl is and Sao Fang is there and he ratted on them. He heel turned and he's with Norrington. And the cucks. And yeah, and like Will and stuff. And they there's all this weird dealing where they make it doesn't none of it makes any sense. And none no one's like emotional alignment makes any sense. No. Um but Elizabeth ends up volunteering to like be um Sao Fang's like victory prize if he lets like Will and the crew of the Black Pearl go. If you know, if Elizabeth right. will be his, she goes over there. He it's clear that he thinks she is the sea goddess Calypso, whom mm -hmm. the pirate brethren have uh changed to her mortal form. And she, this is where I wrote she's agency material because she just immediately catches on and plays the role, right? Because she's like, Well, this might help. Sao Fang takes a real heel turn and is like, Even if you're a goddess, I kind of want to rape you. And yeah. he tries, and then he gets immediately hit by a cannonball. Yeah. I don't remember who is shooting cannonballs, but he gets immediately hit by a cannonball. What? I think it might be one of Norrington's guys. Yeah, that sounds better. Or uh, Dutchman? Beckett. Beckett? Uh, the Dutchman is one of Beckett's guys at this point. Right. But then he immediately, after just trying to rape her, is like, You're the best. You should be the new captain. Gives her his piece of eight. So she is now the the cap one of the nine pirate lords. Right. Um we'll kind of speed on through here. Yeah. A little bit. Um let's see. We get to Calypso soon? Yeah. So then they're all yeah, they're all chained in. Um Norrington frees them eventually after like declining to do so like five minutes before he lets them go and he's like i'm choosing a side yeah and then this is a part where that it's not in this movie the main indictment of it is like nothing anyone ever does makes any sense like the emotional choices they make go from polar opposites like for no reason every two minutes or so yeah. so this one norrington lets them all go they climb on the tow rope back to the black pearl Elizabeth is about to go, and she immediately is still angry at him. And is like, does it? Don't think this means that I forgive you. He says something that is not even reassuring, and then she's just like, <laughs> "Come with us. You have to." And yeah. he is like, "Okay." But then Bootstrap Bill comes out, and it's being a total NPC. Just keeps saying, "Part of the crew, part of the ship," and is raising the alarm. Um, and Norrington finally gets a kit. He just forcefully kisses Elizabeth and then is like, you go, I'll stay. And he tries to shut up and kill Bootstrap Bill. Yeah. Uh, who can't be killed. And then all the guys come and they're going to kill Norrington. And so he cuts the line to let the people in the Black Pearl escape from the Dutchman. Yep. And he gets killed. And, uh, David is like, James Norrington, do you fear death? <laughs> and, uh, Norrington stabs him and he's like, I'll take that as a no. Yeah. Um, so Norrington does not fear death. He does not want to be on the Dutchman. Gets on one of those little boats sailing to the locker. Yeah. 
There's a some quote in here. I don't remember who says it, but someone talks about um, giving a machete for someone's intellectual thicket, which I really like. Oh, oh it's um Jack is talking a bit to Will because he's like he's letting them follow the Black Pearl. He's letting Beckett follow the Black Pearl by leaving a trail of bodies tied to barrels. Right. And Jack is manipulating him and eventually knocks him into the water with his bad breath. Yeah. Which is good. <laughs> um, I can't remember who Bootstrap Bill kills. I think it's Norrington because I wrote, you know you're lame if Bootstrap Bill kills you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was Bootstrap Bill that kills him. Stabs him right through the stomach. Yeah, they eventually all get to... Um, the shipwreck cove where all the nine pirate lords are. Uh, but before we get to that gathering of the pirate lords, there's a brief scene where um, we find out that Tia Dolma is actually Calypso, who, as Je- as uh, Barbosa famously says, they sort of you you explain it. Well, they uh, I'll tell you exactly what they did. They uh, bound her in her bones. We bound her. In her bones. They bound her in her bones. <laughs> yeah, Barbosa says that they bound her in her bones. They did this sort of magic rite to bound the sea goddess Calypso into immortal form and thus tame the seas so that the pirates could control them. Right. Um, and there's also this, like, insane conversation with... We, we find out that Davy Jones was in love with Calypso... Right. And he made this deal with her. He would do this duty of shepherding undead souls at people who die at sea to the underworld, to the to the beyond. And he would do that for 10 years. And then he gets to spend one day ashore. He did it for 10 years. And his one day ashore, Calypso didn't show up. So that spun Davy Jones into a rage. And he cut out his heart and he corrupted his purpose. And he turned into the terrifying squid monster that yeah. we know him as now. Squid boy. And I wrote the note for this point that it's funny that all of this whole story essentially started because Davy Jones got Dear John. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> up. His, uh, his partner left him while he was in the service <laughs> and he never got over it. And that's why everything that happens in these movies happens. <laughs> oh, Oh, poor, poor Admiral Jones. Yeah, poor Admiral Jones. But there's that scene where, like, she grabs him while they're talking, and you get to see Bill Nye with his normal Bill Nye face as Davy Jones and not Squid Boy. Yeah. Yeah, which yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah, it's Bill Nye, Davy Jones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we get to see the Pirate Brethren Court, which was Oof. my favorite thing watching this movie as a kid, because you get in, and it's truly... The camera just pans between these, like, eight or nine, these nine. Nine. Nine pirate lords. These nine different pirate lords, and they're all distinctly sort of archetypal. Yeah. Generally by ethnicity. So you have, like, Barbosa and Jack and Elizabeth, who would be Sao Fang. But then there's, like, Mistress Chang, who's Chinese, and she's got this, like, powdered face, and she looks cool. There's... Gentleman Jacquard, yeah. who's this African guy. There's this short Spanish dude. There's Shishun Baji, the high-pitched uh, uh, yeah. Indian guy. Yeah. There's like a Pakistani guy or some, sort, some sort of Muslim-looking guy. like perm. There's the French, the kooky little French guy. Yeah. There's, uh, who else? Are we forgetting anyone? Uh, we are forgetting someone who is about to make their appearance. 
That's right. Yeah. So they're 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 essentially talking about what to do about Beckett's seven seas wide fascist fascist reign. Right. Whether they should fight against it, and there are different theories. Barbosa wants to um, release Calypso to make the seas wild again because you know he's like it's better better were the days when you know the how you did was due to the strength of a man's back and right. the sweat on his brow. We all y'all know this to be true. Um, essentially, like uh, make America great again. Yeah, type uh, ideology of it was back to the back to the days when things were good for us and nobody else. Uh, Jack. Has the idea of, um, we need to fight to run away, but they so that an act of war can only be declared by the pirate king, which is a problem because everybody always votes for themselves. It's by popular democracy. Uh, people of Iowa could learn something about that. Uh, but so they call on a reading of the code. This is where we get to see Keith Richards, Captain Teague, famously, um, Johnny Depp in uh, the most telling bit of like faux profound actor stupidity thinks his character reading of Johnny Depp or of Jack Sparrow is that pirates were like that day's rock stars. Yeah. So he uh, wanted to act like Keith Richards. So they finally got Keith Richards in this to play Jack Sparrow's dad. My favorite thing about this whole thing is the two old pirate monks who like bring in the old codec book that's like giant and a hundred pounds. And it's these two, they're like brother Bartholomew and brother Gregor or something like that. And they have these little nightcap hats on and they look like Albus Dumbledore. And there's these two frail little (laughs) pirate monks. Those are, those guys are tight. They're scrolls. Yeah. They just study the pirate code or whatever as like a constitution, the keepers of the codec. Yeah. Um, love them. Gibbs knows everything. He knows, as much about this pirate code, it seems, because he he supplies as much information about it as Captain Teague or anyone else. Yeah. He's like the keeper of the code. Gibbs truly knows everything. He's like the watcher. Yeah. Um. Everybody <laughs> votes for themselves except for Jack, who votes for um Elizabeth Swan. Yeah, crushing vote because that means she wins by yeah. majority. And I I'm more watching this. I in the first two, I think there is a through line that I didn't quite notice younger of. Of of earning and establishing throughout the previous ones that she really is the most competent of <laughs> the artists or the co-host formerly known as Crows blowing his nose uh, as the most competent um, of the three throughout it, Definitely. and then to have it result in this and and there are like especially towards the end of the last one where he's like, you are a pirate. Jack Sparrow recognizes and knows that. And so I think this moment where he votes for her was actually really earned and I really like it. Yeah. Um, they talk, they have, they, yeah, so they decide they're going to go to war. They have this parlay on this sandbar where there are these like, tr- this trail of buckets of seawater that does that allow Davy Jones to come up there, which really presents a convenient loophole this whole Davy Jones ten years at sea, one day at land becomes a whole thing yeah. in the rest of this movie. And they, before they even get into that, they present this like functional loophole of as long as you stand or in lay water, in a in some water. amount of seawater in a bucket, you can get around it and <laughs> yeah, be on sea whenever you want. Yeah. Um. But uh. 
but but as I understand it too, is is that he also has to be captain of the mm-hmm. ship during that time. Right. So right. That also imposes a certain. Yeah, and also like David Jones looks all crazy because he has disregarded his purpose in such a way that it turned him into this monster. Right. You know, so maybe that's part of it is the loopholes turn you into a tentacle creature. Sure. <laughs> um, but then there's this a further example of nobody having any emotional like consistency in this because they're all agreeing and like Will reveals himself to be totally shitty and he's like a bad guy. He's super annoying. He's on he's a cop. He's on the side of Beckett and the fascists. And Elizabeth is like, Will, how could you do this? But then one second later, he's like, yeah, you guys take Jack. I'm going to go with Elizabeth. And she's like, okay, great. Yeah. And she doesn't care anymore. Yeah. And he had just betrayed them and double-crossed them twice. None of it makes any sense. No, I... I, I actually kind of hate that scene. That whole yeah. like, go between with Ugh. all of them is it's just idiotic. so cringy. And it's like, idiotic. Uh, and then they Ugh. back away, but then we get into the war uh, where, yeah, I guess the, did, did they realized before or after that they were completely outnumbered. By the yeah, because then, yeah, they sail out to war and, yeah, you just see all the ships that, like, Beckett and stuff have. And it's there's like hundreds. There's so many. It's yeah. crazy. It's, um, it's insane. <laughs> There's some scene at the standbar side off before Jack goes with one side and Barbosa goes with the other where they have like a pirate code conversation. I can't remember what they say, but I just liked it. They speak in pirate code. Yeah. Jack goes um, underneath. He goes under the deck of the Flying Dutchman. They're on the Black Pearl. They release um, Calypso on the Black Pearl. Only Mackenzie Crook, the one-eyed guy, knows how to speak to her like a lover. It's part of the thing. You have to say, I release thee, but you have to say it like a lover, and he whispers it to her tenderly, and it's it's a good scene. She turns giant and turns into like a million crabs for the second time, but these ones are like actual crabs. They're not rock crabs. Well, I think they were the same crabs, weren't they? No, I think they were different crabs. Oh, okay. But yeah, she turns into a million crabs. Um, totally like, crabby. Yeah, there's a uh, yeah. Then there's um, they she yells some stuff that you can't understand, um, and goes away. And oh, they're yeah. like, I got, I forgot, I had this note. Hit that dank Kush Calypso, free yourself, free yourself. <laughs> yeah, because they burn this bowl, and she like French inhales it. Yeah, she hits it hard. She hits it so hard. Um. Uh, and then G- uh, Gibbs at some point yells Maelstrom after she's released and it for- she forms a storm. Yeah. she. Yeah. So then it's this climactic battle that I really think we need to just sort of summarize um, where it essentially turns into um, Calypso. All she does in this is makes a giant whirlpool. And the Black Pearl and the Dutchman are fighting each other through it and, like, across it. And I guess, like, the winner gets out, which is the Black Pearl, and the loser, which is the Dutchman, gets sucked under only to come back up. But all of this stuff is going on underneath. Like, Davy Jones takes back control over his ship from Beckett's second-in-command by taking his tentacles and, like, bursting this guy's head with them. Like, it's this shot where he just, like, threw his nose and, like, his mouth just, like, all into... And I I remember you, uh, because formerly known as Crow, exclaimed during this scene, 
this Disney did these. Yeah, I know, man. <laughs> that was ridiculous uh, watching. There, that are, there are all these moments where, like, Barbosa callously accuses Calypso. He calls her a fishwife. Yeah, Mrs. Get fish. this fishwife out of my face. Um, they demeaningly call the Flying Dutchman people fish people and stuff. They, like, swing across this whirlpool and from one ship to the other, like, fighting. <laughs> They're fighting all up and down. Uh, it, what what you really need to know is it gets it gets like Will and Elizabeth marry each other while they're doing this. Barbosa marries them. Um, the 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 guy in the conch shell whose head is a little crab creature gets killed. That's all that we see of him in this movie is this like one second where he gets decapitated and knocked off the ship. I didn't care for that. Devastating. He needed more time. Yeah, they uh, load the monkey into a cannon and shoot it at somebody, which is pretty cool because yeah, he's was. undead. He kills it. Um, eventually. There's one at one point, um, Captain Jack is trying to steal Davy Jones' heart, and Davy Jones yells, You will not forestall my judgment. Oh, yeah. Which I really like. Yeah. As it ends up with Davy Jones, um, has disarmed Will, and um, Eliz- it's just Jack and Davy Jones and Will and Elizabeth on the Flying Dutchman. And Davy Jones is about to kill. Will Jack is like don't do it I've got your heart I'll stab it and Davy Jones is like ha 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 and he stabs Will on the heart anyway right people are all freaking out they he's about to kill Elizabeth Davy Jones and then you you know he stops because Jack has walked over the heart to Will and like picked up his feeble bleeding out hand and gotten him to stab the heart in right um, so then Davy Jones dies. Very squiddly yeah. dies. And they, they hop back off onto the Pearl. They Nothing seems to happen with Will. The Flying Dutchman goes under. Mm-hmm. Yada, yada, yada. It pops up. Will's back on. He's got a bandana. He's got a do-rag on now for some reason. All yeah. of the fish people turn back into normal people. All the fish stuff just falls off of them, mm-hmm. which is, like, horrifying to me. I thought they had, like, magically, like, orc-style turned into these fish. But it's literally sea creatures just attached themselves to these yeah. men and became, like parasitic organisms on them yeah. and then just fell off. That's revolting they, to me. They just shed them. Yeah, I guess Will's purpose is not corrupted, so he's good. And then, but then it's still like them and the feeble crew of pirates, they literally didn't do anything. They still have all of the British Armada. For whatever reason, all that we see of it is that they essentially yell charge and everybody goes in, but then just the Dutchman and the Black Pearl double team Beckett's ship and blow it to smithereens. There's that cool shot of him walking slow-mo and it all blows up around him. Yeah, that became a meme later. Yeah, yeah, it did. It sure did. But for some reason, after these two ships blow up this one out of like a thousand ships, all of the other ones just flee. (laughs) I don't know why. Yeah. Calypso is gone. She hasn't done anything. No. Um, But then here we are at the end of it. Beckett's gone and dead. I guess the pirates own the seas now. Yeah. They, um, but Will, in order to save his, to survive at all, has to now be the new head of the Flying Dutchman. Mm-hmm. So him, he and Elizabeth can only be together one day every 10 years. His dad, Bootstrap Bill, is like, I I don't, I'm free to go now, but I volunteer to now be 
on the crew with my son because I need to get to know you, I guess. Honestly, good. You know what? He he owes mm-hmm. Will so much. That's at this true. Point. That's and true. Like, He's a terrible bootstrap bill is a terrible father. He is a terrible father. He's a terrible role model. That's canon. For just a, a human being in general. And you know what? I'm happy that that he has a way now to repay Will in in some manner. In some manner, yeah. yeah Three of those. I hope he the makes sweat him of swap. his brow. I and hope the he makes him swap. swab, dog, swab, swab, swab. swab. <laughs> um, yeah. Any fans of the lighthouse out there? And uh, yeah, he's like ten years at sea, one day at shore. It's a steep price, and Will has a good line of "depends on the day," which. Listen, I don't know if I would ever, I I would never take that deal. Yeah. Ten years, well, but if I had to, if the woman that was waiting for me every ten years was Kira Knightley, like that mm-hmm. is at the near the top of the list for like making it so, so, so close, as worth it as it could possibly. You know, so yeah, I, I agree with Will deal. about that. I would take, I that, take deal. that deal. Yeah. We cut to them. They're on the shore. I guess they've been uh, consummating their marriage in Finally. a cave or something for all day and night or something. The sun's about to set. Keira Knightley is looking insane in this scene. Yeah. With, with her, like, robe and the way that they just do up her hair and her makeup it's and the lighting glowy. and stuff, it's like... Insanity. It's insane that anyone, you know, to try to think about it rationally, that this person in this world could could like go from a battle to bathing and doing beautiful makeup and like shaving her legs and like exfoliating everything and just being yeah and completely bronze and and smooth and stuff. Yeah, an extra from yeah. She looks great. Orlando Bloom looks like this this specific thing that he looks like has aged so poorly like if there was ever a point that it was cool and popular (laughs) it isn't now to the extent that it's unbelievable that this man would be with this girl (laughs) or that she would be down to be with him at all let alone wait 10 years for him because he's got like this dude rag and this little this little mustache soul patch combination and he just looks greasy and um very metal militia yeah so i don't even know if that's right he looks like um just weird like weird a weird steampunk guy who if he were around in in this day and age you'd just be like oh what a weirdo and he'd come up and (laughs) talk to you about how much he really thinks you should vote for john mcafee and stuff like he just looks like a total weirdo it's hard to believe but eventually he has to pull himself away and go back for 10 years um and then we come back to captain jack he's back in tortuga because he's with those same two girls you must assume yep he's bragging about his ship again and in a nice bit of narrative uh Full circle coming together. Um, he Antecedent. he yeah he finds um, the black pearl is gone and he has been left with a little dinghy exactly the same size as the one he rolled into Port Royal in the first one in. Um, and we cut to Barbosa back on the black pearl. Um, the crew is saying we feel a little bit guilt. There's this weird pirate crew thing in this where they're like we feel bad about this thing, but if you like show us some bit of information will all feel better. Yeah. I don't know if any of that's how anyone communicates, but they're like, if you show us the map you're looking for, Captain Barbosa will feel better about ditching Jack. Yeah, we'll all just mysteriously, we'll jump up, we'll forget all of our woes, right. and just be gung-ho on this mission. Yeah. Yeah, it happens every time. It's insane. The- they just want 
it, they just want information it, always. Just, like, it's like no weird. emotional processing <laughs> yeah. on any of the no, characters. Nobody, yeah. Like everyone just moves past it for the next adventure. Yeah, and yeah. Like, like they do a good job of, I feel like, of writing these characters into situations where they treat each other in ways that that like complicates and changes their relationship but then no one ever has to deal with it they just as soon as like a second later the plot needs them to be together so they're like okay whatever we're on the same team um but then barbosa says something about there's more than one way to live forever lads and then he opens up the navigational charts but they're they the important part in the center the usable part has just been cut out roughly and then we cut to jack sparrow and he's unfurling the part that he's cut out that's his and he it's sort of like a kaleidoscope thing you have to match up the parts together and he matches it up um and we see florida come into place and we see an icon for the fountain of youth and jack is singing the little song that he likes to sing and he opens up his compass and it uh, yeah, whirls yeah, around and then it, yeah then it finds a it finds a spot and yeah what does he say uh what does he sing drink up your mateys yo ho or something like yep. that and yeah. it ends and jack sparrows off on his next adventure out on stranger tides oh and on stranger tides and we're off we're done with the original trilogy Oof. how do you feel Oof. you got any quick summary thoughts for this one or the whole thing how do you feel just do some summary for the whole thing watching these three for the these movies for the first time uh since your youth i think you know as a kid i really appreciated jack sparrow obviously as the main character obviously Kieran, our uh elizabeth swan will turner at this point, after all these washthroughs, it it is really Gibbs and Barbosa that really right. stand out. We, to me. Like, <laughs> the eccentric, like completely, like spiritually guided by piracy type yeah. pi- type characters yeah. that are like, this is who I am. I know I am this, and I'm going <laughs> to live my life and just have the most joyous days yeah. on the whims of these ridiculous criminal escapades. Yeah, the guys, the. The Gibbs and the and the and the Barbosas and the the Crab guys and the Davy Joneses, the the ones the who in this get to be just sort of be the character actors who just get to full send it and don't have to be like hot or looking cool all the time and just mm-hmm. get to be crazy and totally play it up and be cartoonish. That's the best part of this. Sure. Gibbs Gibbs I think might be the best. Thing of the whole series of movies, I, I think conspiratorially I ranting Gibbs. Yeah. I love him so much, yeah. and he's always just mugging for the camera. Yeah, the Gibbs and those two goofy pirates—the one with the glass eye and the other one. I think about how good he looks at the end of this one compared to you know we found him once think again. Think about where we found him in the pig pen in Tortuga. In the pig pen in Tortuga. Yeah, poor guy slopping with the hogs. And look, and he's. Number two, well, he we see he gets left behind too. He's on the dock, and then Jack does not take him with him. Yeah. So I guess what there is a theory that he is now left back alone in Tortuga. He could be ending Slopping back again. in the pig pen. He could oh, be back God. right where he started. No, Mister Gibbs. It's a vicious cycle. Oh no, Mister Gibbs. You don't Gibbs. have to go back there, Mister Gibbs. You don't have to do it. <laughs> 
Come with us, Mr. Gibbs. Come be on Nocturnal Emissions. The third mic is open. Please. Please. I'm so happy. But my rating of this, I give it six out of nine pieces of eight. Six out of nine pieces of eight? Yeah. I'm going to give this one six out of nine pieces of eight also. Yeah. I love all the world building and stuff. I yeah. love the pirate brethren court. And to the extent that that is left alone, just as like a thing you can imagine about yeah. and extrapolate on. Yeah. Um, you don't, nothing that the main characters do makes any sense. And outside of like Elizabeth becoming the pirate king, none of them has a character arc that, changes at all no will sucks at the start and he sucks at the end um jack sparrow sucks at the start and he sucks at the end elizabeth is a lady of the court at the start and is the pirate queen at the end so like she has the best journey but also i don't think these movies are about that i don't think that's important no um i was also interested in the extent to which i think this kind of telegraphed what these big kind of temple movies were going to look like from now on. Yeah. Um, I found I, even a, adjusted for inflation, this is the like fifth most expensive movie ever made. Jesus. Isn't that, or adjusted for inflation, it's the third most expensive. Not adjusted for inflation, it's still the fifth most expensive. Wow, that is significant. Yeah. The third one? Yeah. Jesus, I believe it. I mean, and the, you see it, but I think also for better and for worse, like you see. Yeah, I think a lot. There's just a lot of like really annoying callbacks and stuff in this yeah. that are pointless. Yeah. Like the thing about Captain Teague shows up and he's got the same dog from the first two. He's got the keys. Yeah. And it's like, are you implying with that little bit of callback that this one dog the whole time on his key ring was holding the one key to unlock the secret pirate codec in Shipwreck Cove that's nest like. Yeah, it just it's, yeah, you no. know, and that's what everything is. And I think this movie may have had a hand in that, but I still give it six out of nine pieces of eight. Yeah, yeah, it's a fair rating. But. And I think we're gonna move on from uh, movies for a little bit. Certainly from pot, we're gonna give the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise a minute or two. Um, we're really running out of steam. We're gonna give that call it for the night here. I think for nocturnal emissions, but. Yeah. Um, it's been a real hoot. It really has. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening again. If you stuck around through the whole thing, um, there are there are plenty of resources for you to find, like a therapist or psychological help. We can get you a for doctor. yourself, and I think that that's a good idea. If uh, you stayed awake for this whole thing, or if you listen to the whole thing on the podcast, yeah, look it up. Uh, you can find old episodes. And this one, if you missed part of it, um, every Monday is Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Just look for Nocturnal Emissions. It's up there. It's on record. But uh, sleep tight, KBGA, and we'll see you next week. Yeah. Good yeah. night. Good night. Don't let the bed bugs bite.